Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles today to the book of Ezekiel. Aren't you all thankful that God's Word never goes out of date? We're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, and while we turn there, I want to uh, introduce a, a new series that I'm going to call Men of the Kingdom, and... Uh, Pastor Tony Evans, actually out of uh, the Dallas area, has a, a teaching called Kingdom Men, and some of this is based on that. But I really feel that where we are in our society today, that we need to revisit what it means to be a man, and what it means to literally be God's man. Now, men, just so you know... I'm not picking on men today, but uh, I am going to start with men, and then we're going to also look at women of the kingdom. So as I start this series, which I don't know how long it's going to be, but we'll just do what we did last time and take whatever time it takes to get there, uh, there's really a vacuum in our society today for godly men. Godly leaders. And I uh, can't tell you how many times I turn around and see decisions being made by leadership, whether it's local, city, state, national, and I just shake my head. Because you know that there's no prayer that's gone into it. It's not what God would have done. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And we live in a day and hour where it's time for men of God to arise. And I want to take you to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22. And in verse 30, God speaks to his prophet Ezekiel about the nation of Israel. They have strayed from him. They have not followed after him, but God, instead of going straight to the nation, he goes to the men. And he says in verse 30 of Ezekiel 22, by the way, welcome all of you also online joining us today. Ezekiel 22 in verse 30, he says, this is God the Father speaking, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall. And stand in the gap before me for the land, so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. The question I have for you today is, how many of you would agree today that the walls in America are broken and in need of rebuilding in more ways than one? Today, we're going to look at the very important subject of men who are God's men, men of the kingdom. Men of God's kingdom. And I spent two months just recently preaching to you about God's kingdom, the invisible kingdom, and giving you the kingdom keys that God gave us in His Word uh, to live by in this world. Amen? And how to bring that kingdom into this kingdom. That's what God wants. Right now, however, we're seeing families and churches and communities crumble 
without the influence of kingdom men. We're living in a society today that seems to hate being a man and are definitely confused as to what being a man truly is. And in so many ways, we are living in a manless society. We see it with fatherlessness. We see it with the breakdown of the family. Very few real leaders in churches. We see it in our society. We see it in our community. And God is looking for men who will receive his kingdom and live as a man in that kingdom. Every Sunday, all across America, men will be sitting in front of their television to watch football games. Tens of thousands of people will fill stadiums all around the country to give several hours of their day to one of the great pastimes of America. And in every game, on every field, in every stadium, there will be three teams that take the field. You say, now wait, Pastor, there's only two teams that take the field. No, I beg to differ, there are three. There are always three teams that take the field. Whether it's a high school game, a college game, or the professional NFL game. There's the home team. This is where the fans are cheering for them because everybody agrees with them because they're at home. Amen? Then there's the visiting team. Everybody knows that the visiting team is the enemy team. The enemy team has come and invaded the territory of the home team. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Which means a war is going to break out on the field of battle Sunday between the home team and the visiting team. There will be conflict. There will be aggression. There will be some chaos. And there will be people taking sides. But there's also a third team. The third team is the team of officials. They're always dressed in black and white. Think about it. They're there to show you what is right and wrong. They're there to show the team what's in the book. They're there to hold to the rules and not bend them for anybody. This team of men stand in the midst of the conflict and sometimes chaos in order to bring order to confusion. Their job is to manage the conflict. Are you with me today? Can I just say this? You will not go through this life without conflict. It will happen. Everybody say, it'll happen. Even within relationships where everybody loves one another. Amen? Deeply. Don't raise your hands on this, but how many of you love one another, but yet you've been in conflict with one another? Possibly this week. 
But as long as there is true love and forgiveness, God will work it out for good and even use it to make a relationship stronger, if we'll let it. And the thing I want you to see this morning about this third team of officials is that they do not belong to either of the two teams on the field. They belong to the league. They they belong to the NFL. Their, Their commitment is to 345 Park Avenue, New York City. This is what we might call the kingdom of the NFL. And this kingdom of the NFL has assigned these officials to represent them in the field of play. Are you catching what I'm saying? Their job, everybody say their job, is not to take sides. Just thought I'd tell you that. Their job is to represent Park Avenue in New York City on the field. The field of men and the confusion that surrounds them during that game in order to apply the rules from headquarters up there on the field down here. They have received their instruction from the head office, which is headed by the commissioner. The king of the kingdom. And the question is not, do they make the players happy? Because the players can applaud them, or the players can boo them. But if the commissioner is not satisfied, they're in trouble. Do you see the parallel to God the Father? God has a third team, a group of men who He has set in history whose job it is to represent him down here. He has his own kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. We've looked at that. And in the midst of the confusion and the chaos in our world that is all around us today, he has set this group here, whose job it is to represent him and to not take sides. Those officials on that NFL field, are managing the NFL game, and you know what? They have a book. And they got to know what's in the book. They got to know what the rules of the game are. They got to know what is a foul and what isn't. And you know what? You cannot go in there and say, I don't like that rule. I'm going to switch it. You cannot argue with the official. Oh, you can. You might get thrown out of the game if you do it too much. The rule's the rule, and he's not going to change the rule for you. You see, that book sets the rules of governance for how the game is going to be managed. Listen to me today, church. Personal opinions don't matter. How you feel doesn't matter. And the arguments of the competing contestants are not those officials' first concern. It doesn't matter whether the crowd booths or cheers because that official's commitment is to the head office based on the book that they have been given to govern the game by. Now, God has a kingdom 
that is so much more important than the kingdom of the NFL. And he also has a book. And his team is supposed to manage life by the book. He has given to us as the commissioner or the king of the kingdom of God. And I'm proud to say this church will never, as long as I lead it, preach out of anything else. So the men of God's kingdom should be men who represent in this time God's perspective from eternity. Now, have you ever seen when an NFL official isn't doing his job? When officials aren't doing their job or when officials aren't doing their jobs well, or worse yet, if the officials don't show up at all, then the rules are going to be made by the people on the field who are already in conflict with each other. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? That's what's going on in America. In other words, when officials are not right, chaos will ensue on the field of play. We are living in a world of chaos today. And what we are missing are the officials. We are missing the men of God's kingdom and the absence of God's kingdom men in our everyday life, and it is bringing destruction and pain and anguish throughout our land. Let me give you some statistics. And when you look at these statistics, it becomes quite evident. For example, 70% of all the prisoners that are locked up today come from fatherless homes. 70%. 80% of all rapists grow up without fathers at home. 71% of all high school dropouts did not have a father in their home or they had an abusive father in their home. And lastly, 63% of all teenage suicides are from teenagers who did not have a father in their home. Forty percent of all children in America today are born to single mom parents. Tony Evans said this, who he himself is an African-American pastor. I've shown some of his Bible studies in our, in our discipleship class. He pastors Oak Clip. Bible Fellowship in Dallas, and I'm simply quoting him. He says 72% of African-American children are born to single parents. And he goes on to say that when there is no man in the vicinity, you can expect there to be chaos and confusion in the environment. End quote. Do you know, in fact, if you look at some of the pathologies that are going on in America, the, the, uh, uh, someone who has a, some mental issues, most social pathologies are attributed to the fact that dad was nowhere to be found and the right kind of man was hard to locate. 
You say, well, what, is, what does that mean? Well, the cost to our current society is daunting because of it. $182 billion every year is spent on prisons. And as I said earlier, 70 of them, 70% of them came from fatherless homes. Then there is the public assistance in the form of welfare that has risen literally to $233 billion nationally. And in 2000, that was, uh, that was in, in, in 2000, $233 billion in 2000. Now, in 2021, it went over $1.5 trillion in 20 years, from $233 billion to $1.5 trillion. All because the men who fathered those babies decided not to get on the field. Come on, somebody. In fact, even manhood itself is in crisis today. Young men today are in crisis, trying to establish their identity and often picking their identity by piggybacking on someone else. There's an enormous identity crisis going on across America today that men are facing today. There is a cultural cry today for men of God's kingdom to show up in the world today. Men who are on earth but live and lead from the perspective of heaven who get their instructions from above, but they live it out from here below in the, in the wicked here and now where real life has to be lived. There is a cry for kingdom men. It is the cry of a child who grows up every day without a father. It is the cry of a single woman whose biological clock is ticking, yet there is no man to marry who will be responsible in their relationship and be godly and live for Jesus without apology. It is a cry of churches where women volunteer for everything and often the men are MIA, missing in action. It's the cry of a culture where terrorists have taken over the streets. Pardon me if I get just a little bit passionate about this, but this is where we are. There used to be a time when men walked down the street and there would be a group of boys over here and they would move out of the way for the older man. They would go to the curb to let the man by. Now, the older man has to move over because of the threat of social terrorism. So there is a cry today for not just males, but men of the kingdom of God. In fact, it's even deeper than that. The cry is coming from the culture. The cry is coming from the men themselves. And as I just read today, it's coming from God himself. He said, I searched for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me, but I found no one. I want you to notice this. I searched for a man who would build up the wall. Church, the walls of America are broken And they're getting beaten to smithereens. And our job as God's men, as men of the kingdom, is not to just simply complain about what's going on. 
But to get into the book God gave us called the Bible, find out what our Heavenly Father, Commander-in-Chief, has to say and start doing it with all of our might and start building back these walls that will keep out the enemies of God. In the book of Nehemiah, you find a classic example of where the enemy came in and destroyed literally the walls of Jerusalem. When the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down, they had been burned. And what you read in the book of Nehemiah, and those of you that are reading the book of Nehemiah, you're going to start reading it chronologically. Those of you that are reading the Bible through in a year chronologically, you're going to be reading that this week. The walls of Jerusalem had been torn down and burned. What, what happened is the men of God took it upon themselves to rebuild them, and it started with Nehemiah. He began to lead them. So notice here that he searched for a man that would build up the wall. And the second thing, notice this. Let's put that scripture back up, please. He said he looked for somebody that would build up the wall. And secondly, to stand in the gap. This creates a visual picture of someone interceding. For those that don't know how to do it. To protect someone else. But church, God said, I found no one. I couldn't find him. God went manhunting and couldn't find one. Look at that. I found not one. That's what it literally means. I found not one. Now listen, it's not that he couldn't find males. He couldn't find men. And today we live in such a culture that hates manhood so much that men have been emasculated from being men. They're afraid to be a man. And I just want to say this to every lady that would be listening. Men are not like you. We don't think like you. We don't analyze like you. We don't feel like you. We don't respond like you. That's why God gave a child, a dad, and a mom. Because the dad will do things the mom would never think of doing. And the mom will do things the dad is not equipped to do. You need them both. We don't respond like women, and there's nothing wrong with that because that's the way God made man and woman. So there is a difference between just being a male and being a man. Now, there's a sobering verse in Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12, and it says this, and tell me if this is not what we're living today. As for my people, children are their oppressors. Another translation said youths are oppressing my people, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. So when men are not kingdom men and the children are in chaos and the wives have to lead because the men don't step up to be God's men, then according to God's word, you know you're living in a disintegrating culture. So there is a cry for men of God's kingdom that raises the question, what is a kingdom man? What does he look like? Well, when you read the book of Genesis, you see the creation. 
of the first man. When you read uh, what the Bible says, his name is Adam. Adam is the man prototype. He is man as God intended him to be. We know that because there was never a man before him, and God created him in a perfect environment. When you see Adam created by God, you see something in chapter 2 where he's created that you don't see in chapter 1 when God does the creation. Turn with me to Genesis 1. In chapter 1, you see... Well, in fact, all throughout chapter 1, you will hear and see this, and God said, and God said, and let there be, and let there be. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, say that out loud, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea. I did that this week. And over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, the word for God there, then God said, mark that in your Bibles, the word for God there in chapter 1 is the Hebrew word Elohim. And that word, God, has to do with the power of God and His might. But when God starts setting things up for man, you will see over and over again in chapter 2, it switches. It changes. Turn to chapter 2, look at verses 7 through 9. Now you're no longer just seeing God, you're seeing the Lord God. Now count how many times we say this. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. Then the Lord God formed the man from dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now look at chapter, same chapter, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden and to cultivate it and keep it. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. From chapter 1 to chapter 2, he moves from God's power to the Lord God. Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Notice that. It's not little. All of them are capitalized. The Lord God. Lord is the word Yahweh. And Yahweh is the self-revealing God who has relationship with and governs your life. 
So in chapter 1, when God is creating, He is Elohim, God of power. But now when He wants to interact with man, He is Yahweh Elohim. That means He is the powerful God who wants to relate to you and oversee your daily affairs. So when we talk about a kingdom man, we are talking about a man who not simply believes in God. We're talking about a man who believes in God and that same God of power is also his L-O-R-D capitalized. Football isn't his Lord. Work isn't his Lord. His kids are not his Lord. Fishing is not his Lord. Video games is not his Lord. God is his Lord. He believes that God, the commissioner, the king, oversees the affairs of his life. To say it another way, a man of the kingdom is a male who has learned to live his life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Start with kingdom. The word kingdom means rule. God's kingdom is his comprehensive rule over all of life. And when you have kingdom, there is a plan. God has an agenda. God has a plan. Do you know what it is? He's got a plan for your life. Do you know what that is? You say, Pastor, I don't know what that is. I've only got one thing to say to you. Get into your prayer closet, pray, read the Word of God, and find out what is that plan for my life. Because He has one. I can't tell you what that is for you. I only know what it is for me. Are you hearing me? There is the visible manifestation... Jesus lived on this earth from what he saw in heaven. Walk with me on this. The Word of God says these very words. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. And there were times when he would do things and the disciples didn't understand him. He said, we got to go to Samaria. I must needs go to Samaria. It's my need today. It's what God the Father showed me today. And they're like, Lord, they're the enemy. Let me break it down here in a political sense. Now, I might offend somebody on this one, but... I'm just trying to be real. Say you got a Republican over here and you got a Democrat over here. The Democrat's the enemy to the Republican and the Republican is the enemy to the Democrat and they won't talk because they don't agree with one another. That's what the Samaritans were to the Jews. They were like Republicans and Democrats in our world today. And the Democrats wouldn't come over and talk to the Republicans, and the Republicans wouldn't go over and talk to the Democrats. The Jews didn't want to go to Samaria. The Samaritans didn't want to come into Jerusalem. Jesus said, enough of that. And he went to Jerusalem, and he didn't go to a man. He actually went to a woman at the well who had been married six times. And the, woman, the guy who she's with now, he, she, didn't even, she didn't even worry about marrying him five times. 
You've been married five times. The guy you're with right now, he's not even your husband. And she's like, wow, I perceive you're a prophet. When Jesus gets done at the well with that woman, she knows him as Lord of her life. And she goes and she says, come see a man who told me all the things that I've ever done. This couldn't be the Christ, could it? And they all come out and Jesus begins to preach to them. And they're like, hey, we don't even need her witness anymore. We've seen why ourselves, they come to know Jesus. So all of a sudden, the Republicans and the Democrats are eating together. You say, oh, pastor, that could never happen. With men, it's impossible. But with God... All things are possible. So God's kingdom has this management over all of life. And when a man becomes a kingdom man, he begins operating underneath, say it, underneath that rule. Not on his own rule or on his own kingdom. You are not a man of God's kingdom. Unless God is telling you what to do. You are not a referee unless the commissioner is telling you what to do according to the book. And I can hear someone just say this, well, no one's going to tell me what to do. Oh, yes, they are. Yeah, they are. You will listen to someone. If you say, I am my own referee, I'll do what I want to do, then you become a rebellious ref, and you're no longer any good to the league office, and you'll be gone. Jesus said it this way, every branch that is in me that you don't bear fruit from me, I'm going to take that branch off, burn it in the fire, cast it away, and it's no longer going to be around. Now, I hate to break it down like that, but that's what we're talking about. Well, I don't really hate to do that. I just hate that it sounds a little hard. But you know what? It's truth. You picking up what I'm laying down? God has a lot of males who are no longer any good to the kingdom because they want to wear the stripes like they belong, but they run their affairs independently of God. One of the key texts that identifies a man of God's kingdom is found in Exodus, watch this, in chapter 34, verses 23 and 24. It says three times a year, all your males are to appear before, notice the name of God here, the Lord God, the God of Israel, for I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your borders, and no man shall cover your land when you go up three times a year to appear before the Lord your God. Now, notice that God's name is used three times in those two verses, Lord God, Lord God of Israel, and the Lord your God, Yahweh Elohim Adonai. He is trumping you. He is saying, I am Elohim, the power God. I am Yahweh, the self-revealing God who oversees your affairs. Then he adds, Adonai, I am the God your boss. I am the God 
who gives you the details. The father was Jesus' boss. He only did what he saw the father do. Three times here, God tells all the men, without exception, what to do, where to go, and what will happen. Do you see it? Now think about it. When all the men leave the land, there's no military. There is no police force. There is no banking industry. The farming has shut down. Commerce is at a standstill. Mothers are left with children on their own. So why would God call all the men out three times a year? Well, think about it. In giving his name three times in three different ways, he is saying, I am calling you out because I'm going to give the nation of men my instruction. But while I'm telling you what to do, I got your back back home. I care about what you care about more than you do. In fact, things, he's saying, are going to get better when you get home because you took the time to meet with me. How many men who claim to be in the kingdom take the time to meet with God? Lauren just shared me a a, a statistic yesterday that uh, one in 20 senior pastors look at pornography once a week at least. That's 5% of senior pastors standing up behind the pulpit watching porn. And if that's happening in the pulpit, what's happening in the pew? I cannot imagine Jesus doing that. Often, Jesus would pray. Sometimes in the morning before breakfast, while it was still dark outside. Sometimes at night, sometimes all night. Every time after I see him do a miracle, while on the cross, What men seem to do today in our society is they avoid God. They neglect God. They may have a little religion, but God is not the L-O-R-D God. He's certainly not Adonai telling them what to do. And as a result, we have a culture in crisis. And the problems today are not primarily political or economical or social, although they will show up in those realms. The problem that we face today, church, is spiritual. And it is the absence of kingdom men of God. And notice that in that last verse we looked at, he said, I want all your males. All your males. He doesn't even see, say, I want all your men. You see, men go through three phases, and I'm going to call them the hoods. First of all, there's malehood. All you need is the right plumbing. The right plumbing will get you malehood, and that comes with birth. But even that is under attack today. Secondly, after malehood, there is boyhood. Boyhood is when you are dependent 
when you are immature and you're not yet responsible. Your parents are, are governing you and guiding you and telling you what to do, but then you reach what we call manhood, where it should mean you're maturing and you're more responsible now and you can act, actually, you can take care of not only yourself, but you can take care of someone else, your own family. You see, God intends for a husband to take care of his wife, to take care of his kids, to take care of his family, regardless of what today's culture says. Have you ever noticed that God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife? I've told that to couples that are wanting to marry, and he doesn't really have a job. Well, how are you going to support this young lady? Well, I don't really know. Well, you need to get that figured out before you move any further. Uh, appointment closed. Go figure that out. You have no business marrying a woman if you don't know what you're doing. Where are you going to take her? Well, I don't know. Where are you going to live? Well, probably with her mom and dad. Dude, you need, you just, no. You need to go and figure out who you are. Am I, spe- am I, am I speaking truth today, church? The challenge we face today is the challenge we faced so often in the history of man. The problem is one of the great issues of history, and that is the independence of man. Men don't like people telling them what to do. You see, men start listening to everyone else but God. That's what's happening in America. People are listening to everyone but God. That's what Adam did. Adam listened to Eve, who listened to the serpent. He sinned. Then he and Eve, who listened to the serpent, fell. And then Eve and Adam saw that they were naked, and they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. And notice this in Genesis 3, 8 through 9. We read that they heard the sound of the Lord God, Adonai, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden, the God who wanted to relate to them. And you know what? Men and women are still doing this today, trying to hide from God. Hey, listen. God is always the winner at hide-and-seek. He's the master seeker and finder. He knows where you are. Now watch this, verse 9. Then... The same Lord God called to the man, and he said to him, where are you? I think that's what God is saying. Hey, guys, where are you? You see, Adam lost control of his domain shortly after receiving it. Look at verses 10 through 13. He said, well, I heard heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman. Everybody say that. The man said, the woman. Whom you gave me, by the way, to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. 
Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And guess what the woman says? The woman said, the serpent. The man said, the woman. The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now notice the refusal of Adam to stand up and admit that they had sinned against God. Church, I'm just saying, that's the same problem that exists today. People won't admit they've sinned. So what you do is you legalize the sin. You change the law. Hello. Seven years of the law changed. I haven't changed the law. I will only marry a man with a woman. And I'm qualified to tell you what a man and a woman is directly from God's Word. You're qualified. Let me close with this last illustration. It's also going to be a sports illustration because sports is such a high thing in men's lives. Consider if we took the same attitude of not wanting to hear what God says and what God wants us to do unless it's exactly what we want to hear. Consider if we took the same attitude into the game of basketball. The game of basketball has been set up to be played on a 94 by 50 foot court with the free throw line 15 feet away from the backboard. The net is 10 feet above the court, and the hoop has an interior diameter of 18 inches with a radius of 9 inches. And these standards ensure that the game of basketball is played within these standards, whether you're playing in the United States or you're playing it in Russia or you're playing it in China, if you're playing it in the NBA, if you're playing it in the NCAA, or if you're playing it in the Olympics somewhere else. Without those standards the game would be changed and would lose all credibility, all honor, and all prestige. Can I hear an amen? Now, let me just close today by saying this. God has a standard. He has a goal. His kingdom is that goal. He wants men to reach that goal and to do so according to His standard. You have been commissioned by God in Genesis chapter 1, In verse 26, every man in the room to take dominion, to rule on this earth, do not allow anything or anyone to short-circuit that. Don't let tobacco, don't let hops and barley, don't let marijuana, don't let the plants of the field, don't let the trees of the field, don't let the animals of the field, don't let the people of the field, don't let the enemies of the field dictate to you what you should do. Let God dictate to you you what you should do because he is your commissioner. He is your king. It comes from your heavenly father and he loves you more than you even love yourself. And when this life on earth is over, God will not ask how much money did you make, sir, or how many number of things did you accumulate. He will say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? You see, chaos comes when God is not allowed to be God in the life of a man. When God created Adam, Eve had not yet been made. Why am I dealing with men? 
That's who God made first. So that's who I'm dealing with first. When God made Adam, there is no woman yet on the scene. He's only dealing with the man before he creates the woman. Why? Because if he can't get the man's attention right, the man will mess up the woman. When she comes along, you say, but pastor, it, it, it was backwards. It happened. The, the, the woman messed up the man. She was deceived. He did it willingly. That's worse. You will see as this, as this unfolds that it is the relationship of the man underneath the comprehensive rule of God. And this goes against everything we're hearing in our world today. That will determine, listen to this, I'm going to say this again. You're going to see this as this series unfolds, that it's the relationship of the man underneath the comprehensive rule of God that will determine how his wife turns out. In fact, a woman, a wife is primarily a mirror that lets a man know what his own submission to God looks like. So if you're having trouble getting your wife to submit to you, it may simply be reflecting that she is giving you what you are giving God. And just like you don't like that, He doesn't like that with what you're giving him. And I just want to remind you, God never said bring all the women out three times a year. He said bring the men out. The goal of a kingdom man is to implement the rule of God, not create his own rules along the way. And there are so many men who live with pain. So many men that are living in anguish. And do you know the reason why? Simply because they will not submit to their heavenly Father and become a man of His kingdom. They're trying to be a man in their own kingdom. Before I close, let me let you in on something. This is not our world. This is God's world. And he gave man oversight to oversee this world. It was given by the king. God's not just looking for males. He's, he's not just looking for guys who go to church. God is looking today uh, for, for men who will be men of his kingdom. He's looking for men who will live under his rule because there's only room for one king in this world. Look at Psalm 24.1. This is what I'm saying. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Adam found out that when you do your own thing and you're not submitted to God, please don't turn me off. I'm just about done. i got two sentences left. Adam found out that when you do your own thing and you're not submitted to God, you may get to eat the fruit. 
but you lose the freedom. In Genesis 3, Adam was silent when God was calling for a leader. In Ezekiel, he couldn't find a man. Today, the world needs men of the kingdom. And my word to you today is don't be silent. Would you answer his call? I want to see the hands of every man in this room today who will say to me, Pastor, I'm going to answer the call. My hand's up. I'm going to answer the call. And I know this about men that are leaders and men that lead godly. There is not a wife alive that won't follow him. How many women here today you'd follow Jesus anywhere? Jesus said to the men, you are the head in your home. If you're submitted to me, she'll submit to you. And ladies, let me tell you something. Submission is not a dirty word. Because Eve got into trouble, and from that day forward, she wanted to lord it over him. And we're going to talk about ladies of the kingdom later. But we're starting on the men because that's where God begins. In church, it's going to get good. And I think this was good. And can I just say this to every man? God preaches it to me before I ever get to preach it to you. Every week. And I get it more than once. I get it when I'm getting it. Then I get it when I go over it. Then I get it again when I give it. Love you guys. Love all of you watching online. Stay strong. Stay in the kingdom. Stay doing what the book says. Stay in the book. Be a man and a woman of the book, and you will never go wrong. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless. Whose name?